0: Other side of midnight. 77 WNC. Local spotlight. Good morning everyone this is the other side of midnight i'm frank morano here on 77 WABC mighty proud to be and thank you for tuning in let me begin with a couple of very special announcements first and foremost the most important announcement you're going to hear today is today is the birthday of our owner and our savior <laughs> and i don't mean those of us that work here but also those of us that listen to the station john catsimatis uh, it's john's birthday today and i can't think of anybody That is more worthy of uh, and more deserving of having a happy birthday than John Katzimatidis is. So I want to wish him a happy birthday. And I know that um, John is used to keeping, is used to helping other people's wishes come true, as is the case with me and so many others. But uh, here's a day where I hope all of John's wishes come true. In part, a celebration of John's birthday, and in part, a celebration of WABC's 100 years of history. We are having a big gala tonight. Now, we've had an interesting history. The last 40 years, we were a talk station. 20 years before that, from 1962 or so to 1982, we were a music station. But it all began 100 years ago when 7.70 a.m., signed onto the air as WJZ. It was in the 50s when we migrated to that WABC handle. And today, uh, we are going to be gathering at a big gala at a secure and undisclosed location to celebrate one great century of WABC talk programming. And I can't tell you how honored I am to be a part of this, especially since we got the latest ratings yesterday. And yet again, I believe this is for the eighth straight month, although I'd have to go back and check. To be certain, we are number one in our time slot from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. The other side of midnight is beating every other radio show on the dial in New York in the category of 12 plus, which basically means every listener over the age of 12. All the a.m. stations, all the f.m. stations we're number one. And I'm mentioning this primarily to say thank you. I am well aware that without you listening to this program each and every day, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do this. And this is the job that I've always dreamed of doing. So thank you for listening. A happy birthday to John Katz And John and Margot. thank you for the opportunity to do this job four hours a day on a daily basis. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning. Everyone, this is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Schools all over the tri-state area headed back to school for the first day of classes on Tuesday. And there were a lot of questions and a lot of concerns about COVID restrictions and about school security. That was the top of mind for a lot of school administrators as well as a, a lot of parents. A couple of things on this. I see that in Newark. The school district there is still requiring students to wear masks. I have to tell you, I still do not understand this. 38 Thousand students walking the halls in Newark public school. I thought we were over this. Uh, I do not understand why the Newark school officials are deciding to keep these mask requirements in place. I think we've seen that these mask requirements at best are not helpful in terms of stopping the spread among students, and they could be quite harmful in terms of training children to read the facial expressions of others, in terms of hindering speech. And speech therapy for children that might be battling with speech issues? Why do this? For all the talk of follow the science, follow the science, why are we still subjecting our children to this kind of a treatment? And I'm surprised there hasn't been more of an outcry from Newark parents. Why not just make it mask Optional, But Newark Public Schools are not the only venues that are sticking with this. Elite venues here in New York City, including the Metropolitan Opera and Carnegie Hall, say they have no plans to drop compulsory mask mandates months after even Broadway theaters have axed it. So you have the New York Philharmonic, Lincoln Center, Carnegie Hall, the Metropolitan Opera. According to each venue's research, they found that audiences are more comfortable going to shows where masks are required, especially older patrons. Now, other venues, like Madison Square Garden, have long dropped their mask policies. Venues like Broadway shows, for instance, and Medicine Square Garden, who have kept their policies or offered specific show dates with one, said they did not find a decline in ticket sales. Look, these are private businesses, and if they think this is what their customers want, I say more power to them. I just wish they would be a little bit more welcoming to folks that don't enjoy wearing these masks. I think maybe the solution is you offer one or two masked shows a month. I recognize There are a lot of people that may not be comfortable going to see a concert or a big show unless everyone's masked. Do a show or two a week for them, and the rest of the time, drop this mask mandate. Make it mask optional. That's what I'd do. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Sunday marks the 21st anniversary of September 11th and the horrible attacks on September 11th. that I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I still am not really sure what the best way to remember September 11th is. I-, I hear from some people, including family members of those that have died on September 11th, that it's really painful for them to have to relive Every minute of what happened in terms of audio clips and video clips and hearing experts recount everything that happened that day and eyewitnesses recount everything that happened that day. But then I hear from other people who talk about the importance of doing that kind of coverage and the importance of making sure that people that weren't alive at the time. And now we have a whole generation of people that were not alive at the time, how they understand what we all felt going through that horrible experience. Experience, emotionally, intellectually, psychologically, and in every other respect. So I'm really of two minds about this, and I'm curious what you think about this. Maybe we'll take calls at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. But whatever you think about how September 11th should be commemorated. I don't think there's doubt about the incredible work that the Siller Foundation, which was born out of September 11th, the incredible work that they do. The Siller Foundation, which was started by Frank Siller to honor his brother Stephen, who ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel in his full fire gear to the World Trade Center, where he ultimately died, they have done incredible work honoring fallen service members, helping the family members of fallen service members get mortgage-free homes, helping the family members of fallen police officers get mortgage-free homes. Service members that are still living but come back without limbs and severely handicapped, they get special smart homes for these servicemen so that they're able to live as close to a normal life as they can hope to. They are literally doing God's work, and I'm excited to help. So on September 25th, I'm going to be walking in the Tunnel to Towers race. I'm hoping some of you will walk with me, and I'm hoping all of you will make a small donation in support of what we're doing. You can go to wabcradio.com slash walk and click on my picture and make a generous donation. And you know what we're going to do? I don't have any authorization to do this necessarily, but I'm going to do it and hope I don't get in trouble. If you donate $100 or more right now, this is a today-only kind of a deal. If you donate $100 or more right now, we will send you a complimentary Other Side of Midnight cap. If I have to buy that for you myself, I will, because I think it's so important that we get people donating to this great organization. Do us a solid and support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Go to wabcradio.com slash walk to be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. local Local Spotlight. One more hour to go on what's a very special show on a very special day on the most special radio station in america it is the birthday of john katsimatidis which we're celebrating we're also celebrating the 100th anniversary of 770 a.m being on the air in new york and i'm excited to be a part of that Really excited for this gala that we're having tonight, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll hopefully have some good stories to share with you tomorrow. But let me begin with something that should be obvious to everyone, but perhaps is not. It is possible to not be a very good debater and still be a skilled public official. I've seen a lot of people on both the national level and the local level over the years who are poor debaters, but very effective Politicians. Uh, sometimes they're effective because they are deal makers. Sometimes they're effective because they're hardworking or intelligent. That being said, I think when a politician is going out of their way to duck a debate. That really is cause for concern. And we are seeing that go on in two very high-profile races. First of all, one of the most watched Senate races in the entire country is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, where we have so many listeners and where I have a lot of cousins. Big shout-out to my cousins that live in Bethlehem and my cousins that live in Philadelphia. But I am really wondering why John Fetterman is refusing to debate Dr. Mehmet Oz. Now, Dr. Oz is the Republican candidate. Clearly he's a TV personality and very comfortable in front of a camera, but the guy's never run for office before. Fetterman understands policy. Fetterman has run for statewide office before. He would do fine in a debate one would think. Now, One of the things Dr. Oz said yesterday, which I think he's right about, is the only logical conclusion one can draw about about why Fetterman is not debating is that Fetterman is either too ill because of his stroke to debate, and he doesn't want the voters to know if that's the case, then I feel bad about that, but that's cause for concern. Or he's trying to dodge some of his ultra-progressive positions, which he's concerned might turn off some swing voters. Either way, I think the people of the state of Pennsylvania deserve to know what they're voting for. The other race, which is very curious to me why we haven't seen more debates, is the race for New York governor. There was one poll out this week which shows the race tightening. Kathy Hochul has a strong lead when it comes to fundraising and name recognition and a bunch of other things, but Lee Zeldin is mounting a very aggressive challenge. And he has asked for, I think, nine debates. Kathy Hochul yesterday came out and said, yes, she's willing to debate. If she waits any longer, she won't have to debate at all. It's going to The election day, nine weeks from yesterday. What is she waiting for? What is she hiding? Any politician that refuses to debate at least a couple of times, I have to give serious thought about whether that person deserves my vote. I don't know about you. Beam me up. To be continued.